again, everybody. I hope that wherever you are, the weather is warm and the beer is cold. Make sure you've got plenty of time for today's episode because it's a really important one with some pretty urgent advice you need to be taken on board. Today's guest is Jonathan Ivanko, and we're going to be talking about the need and importance of collecting more data from your customers on exactly what they're looking for and when they're looking to buy. Most companies focus on collecting the data they want, which oftentimes is just your, your name and your email address. But as Jonathan will explain, this is pretty pointless. Hi, John. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, could you tell us a bit about yourself, your backgrounds, uh, why you're doing what you do at the moment? Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess the nuts and the bolts is right now I'm co-founder of a company called FormToro uh, that uh, found its way into the e-com space to become a data layer so that stores can make more educated decisions rather than guessing. Um, how I got there is a little bit longer, but uh, history of working with different brands in a consulting capacity, uh, as well as running marketing for a brand as well that was sold internationally and kept running into the same problems when working with clients where people didn't actually have a lot of uh, confident data around why people were purchasing and what that journey looked like. I think I've, I've come across the same problems. Um, you know, I've, I've seen what you do, which is really interesting. Obviously, I, from my perspective, it looks like you're more about the forms, but I guess you uh, there's a lot more to it. And there's the, the actually what you do with the forms, which I do think is the, the big problem. I think it comes down to data. Uh, I'm really at the core of what I do, a data guy, a data nerd that goes in and finds better data points in order to build hypotheses against them and, and create wealth and value for companies. And I've been doing that for years, almost a decade now. So getting into this data and that customer experience then, um, can you, well, I guess talk, talk us to us a bit about um, what you're doing with FormToro and um what the kind of idea there is and how it works for um, for businesses. Yeah, the explain it like I'm five version, the ELI five version is uh, we do incentivize based pop-ups. Um, so your typical standard pop-up, except we do live data collection. So we collect an email address and then we ask a couple questions that are, that are key to kind of the customer journey. Um, and then we look for combinations and patterns within that data to understand which data points are the most valuable for a company and how that can impact advertising budgets as well as uh, personalization throughout the entire customer journey. And then we use that data to kind of close some of the gaps that currently exist across e-commerce. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's not just about feeding that data into Clavio and using that to personalize and segment to people. It's looking at the end to end, you know, if, if people are answering these questions, there and they come through this channel, they're more likely to to convert. Is it that sort of thing? I mean, well? data is yeah, data is what you make of it, right? So it, it's completely dependent on what the goals of a specific client are. We don't run this as a SaaS; we run this as a managed service. So when we work with people, you're getting kind of years of strategy that goes into building businesses plus. Uh, amazing tools and the ability to work with data in a way that makes sense for what your goals are. So uh, data is as good or as bad as the people that are collecting it. Yeah, fair enough. Just reminded myself, um, I, uh, I came across a form earlier that I found a little, yeah, I was a little unsure about. Um, basically, I'm looking for a new laptop because mine, mine seems to be dying. Uh, I was on the HP website and an email capture form popped up, which asked me first name, email, uh, sorry, first name, last name, email, which apart from last name, which I'm not, not too keen on as a data point, but 
the other two, fine. Uh, but the other two questions they asked were, firstly, are you over the age of 16? And secondly, are you buying for a business? And I guess from my point of view, I found those a bit strange because I do focus more on the, I suppose, the personalization um, and, and what those emails will look like. And I, I'm not sure I can see how that data is really being used there. But I wonder, given what you've just said around the the advertising side and, and that driving traffic, do you think that could be sort of the right? I know it's difficult to say. No, when, the, the age thing is the, the age thing is from their legal department to make sure that they're only communicating with people over a certain age. And that could be through their terms and service or, or whatever else. The business side, HP has a different business side. So if you're a business account, they want to reach out to you differently and they'll usually get you on the phone. So they're segmenting that way. First name, I don't care about. Last name doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's nice to be personal about stuff, but usually with an email, if it's coming in from business, you'll use your business email and then they're using something like Clearbit to grab that information anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Fair enough. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I guess I just thought from, yeah, from my perspective, because I, I think I've actually spoken to an HP. I think I have like a VIP account manager for some reason, or it might be Dell actually. And um, I just found that a little weird as a, as quite a small business owner. Uh, <laughs> I felt like that was a bit of an over the top experience um, for what I needed. In fact, I saw your LinkedIn post earlier. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about that, about siloing, right? So um, when teams get siloed and I guess what what you think people can do to fix that? Because uh, I know I've had the same issues with like PPC agencies who come in and they only care about the PPC. They'll optimize ads just based on the ad side itself they don't really care about getting involved in conversion optimization or lifetime value in email marketing, things like that. So, Yeah, this is interesting because those of us that have been around long enough remember the days in the early days where everyone was a full service agency and you handled everything. Uh, and then there was a split that happened uh, right around, I want to call it like the social media days where social media started to poke its head out in like 2009. Um, 2009, 2010, where people became social media specialty agencies and only handled that. And then you would start to see fractioning and breaking off into, oh, I'm only an email agency or, oh, I'm only an ad agency. Oh, I only do social media. Um, And I I think that that permeated and, and continues to exist now where there's a large enough marketplace out there where people are siloed and do specific things. And you do need a requisite understanding of how to perform specific app, uh, tasks within certain parts of, of the, the broader ecosystem. Unfortunately, though, you know, if you're just making product and you don't sell product or you're just sending emails and you're not running ads or you're just doing one thing, that, that doesn't equate to how business works. There's shipping, there's logistics, there's profit margins, there's cost of goods, there's uh, email, there's social, there's uh, ads, there's there's so many different parts. And really profitable businesses and really successful businesses are the ones that are best able to work across party lines and kind of throw some stuff together where everyone has a good solid understanding of how things work together. And unfortunately, we're not seeing that a lot right now, unfortunately. Um, there's very specific specialists in areas and they rarely are able to tap into all the different parts. Um, And it's leading to a bit of chaos, basically, for a lot of brands where they're not fully aware of what different parts of the group are working on, why they're working on them, and and understanding kind of the logic behind that. 
Yeah, so when it comes to like a brand working with maybe multiple agencies, do you, do you think there's a certain area that you could look at to fix it? You know, does, should it come from the agency? Should it come from the brand? Like, well, there's a there's a gap, right? So if you're a brand and you're hiring for an agency, there's two reasons why you hire. It's one, you know how to do the work, but you don't have time. That's the good version. And the bad version, most of the time, is you hire because you don't have the resources internally or the strategy in order to implement something. So you're hiring experts in order to, to level you up and get you to the next level. Uh, the problem is if you're an agency, you're working with the brand specifically, you're not working with their other agencies. There's no reason for you guys to interface. Your agreement isn't with the other agency. You don't owe them a duty to work with them. I mean, the, that's it's kind of like the fallacy of, of how most structures work. Uh, from a brand perspective and from a cover your ass perspective for most people that are hiring agencies, if they try to do something internally and they fail, they get fired. If they hire an agency and the agency doesn't do well, then they fire the agency. It's a shifting blame thing. So like you're not, you can't outsource a lot of your key positions and expect success. You should outsource if you understand what you're doing and you can kind of watch and maintain uh, and you know what you're doing. Otherwise, if you're outsourcing for, to find experts in a field and you don't have the basics, you're, you're gonna most often fail. Yeah, I, I think that's it's kind of the, one of the problems I I had uh, with an agency years ago. Um, you know, it was PPC agency, um, and they were optimizing for uh, based on the ads alone. Um, so they'd see the conversion rate, and they'd literally just focus on tweaking the ads, the the keywords, copy that to see what they could do. They had no interest in what happened after someone clicked the ad. And after quite a bit of me pushing and saying, you know, what do you need from me? How do we, how do we fix this experience after the the ad click? Because there must be something going wrong. What do you think? Uh, I just didn't get anything back from them, so eventually we got rid of them. Um, it's, it, it's not their responsibility. Like this is the like when you specialize in doing something specific like that, and it's very data driven, and and you just look at numbers, you're just looking for a confidence interval that what you're doing is going to create success based on KPIs. When you work with an agency, you always talk about your goals and your KPIs, right? And then they model their uh, their effort towards hitting those goals and KPIs. And the fact that most agencies ask you for what your KPIs are up front is kind of a joke. I know they do it so that they can better understand and manage expectations, but at the same time, they should be driving expectations after doing an evaluation of what you currently have and saying, what's up? Good example, I talked to two owners yesterday and uh, I asked them what their ad spend was, I asked them what their traffic was, basic numbers like that. And I was like, fire your agencies like immediately, like the numbers just didn't add up. They didn't make sense. And that means that they don't know how to manage that specific agency. And like you asking questions of that agency and them not responding or not getting to that point, that's, that's not an exception to the rule. That is the rule. Like that's, that's how they, that's how a lot of agencies protect themselves in, in order to say, oh, we know best for this client. So we're going to tell you what strategy we should use because it fits best with what they have to do. Uh, yeah, but, uh, and I suppose there's, there's enough businesses out there who don't know, don't know how to manage those relationships. Don't know how Thousands. to manage those relationships. Majority of people that are hiring out just don't understand what's actually happening behind the scenes and have no desire to learn, and they don't want to hire internally. Yeah, well, internal in hires are expensive, but I suppose a, a bad agency is quite expensive as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I wanted to talk a little bit more about the the pop up side of things, actually, because um, mm-hmm. obviously that's that's what you guys do. Because um, I think it's really really interesting those multi step um, forms you've done. Um, so it's not it's not something I've used. I think it's something I've used in the past. I don't um, think anyone's used them. We're we're pretty much we're pretty much your only <laughs> game in town if you want to do e commerce and multi step. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've done you know I've I've captured extra pieces of data, but it's always been on that same form because yeah. that one form has been the only option available. You know, yep. most email providers or whatever, they just allow you that one email capture form. You can stick a couple of questions on there. Um, so, you know, if you can share with us, um, what sort of numbers do you see? You know, I guess what sort of conversion rates do you see on the pop-up as a whole, but also that engagement and, and people being willing to answer more questions? So you just hit on something that's really interesting because I get to ask this question a lot. What's your conversion rate on your pop-ups? Your conversion rate on your pop-ups is dependent on the quality of the traffic that you're driving at the right time that they're looking to potentially make a purchase. So your conversion rate for something that's organic versus different ad sets versus different ad audiences is all going to change your your opt-in rate. Anyone that claims that they're seeing like a super high conversion rate of like 10 or 15 or whatever industry standard is, is full of shit. Um, Right, so maybe better question. Do you do you think there is an improved are you do you think you're seeing an improved conversion rate with your forms? I don't over? think you're you I think you're asking the wrong question. What you're looking for is a quality question, not a quantity question. You're focusing on the quantity. The quantity doesn't have anything to do with anything. If I have a hundred signups and it's a bunch of disinterested people because I ran a giveaway versus I have five signups with people that are giving me data and telling me what they're most interested in, I'm going to take the five signups. Assuming everything's equal, five people convert from both of those. It's a quality issue. It's not a quantity issue. And I, I, I want to beat everyone over the head with this because we measure all of our KPIs and quantities and it's not quantity that matters. It's actually quality that matters. And I think that you're, you're hitting on like, this is the, the causation versus correlation argument. And most marketers mess this one up all the time. Uh, and I really do want to hit hard on that because when I'm looking at the success of a form, uh, I, I can get, and I've talked to brands that have been spending hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars a month on advertising. And they have all these emails and they come in and they collect them and they tell me how much they spent per email that came in. And then they said, oh, and then we sent them emails and our open rate, you know, it's, it's, it's okay on the welcome series, like 33%, right? You don't know anything about those. And statistically speaking, more than 50% of people will never open your emails after they've signed up. So what did you really gain from collecting emails? Like that's the problem with the quantity argument. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you still want a higher quantity of quality. Uh, it's, it's, I'm going to take it. quality over quantity every day of the week. You give me a list of 10 people and all I got is a name to go on. That sucks. If I got a name and a bunch of other stuff to go on, I can convert those people with the other data. 10 X the other ones. It's always going to be that issue. Imagine if you went on a, imagine if you went on a date, right? and you knew nothing about the person other than their name and then your alternative was going on a date and you knew at least background information about the person so you knew what you had in common and you knew how to talk to them about certain topics and issues right you're gonna have more success having information and for whatever reason in the world of econ we've convinced ourselves that all we really need is a name well yeah i mean, i see what you mean uh i think convinced ourselves is not the way I put it, but it's what everyone does. It's almost 
No, we have convinced ourselves it's, because it's, if you read all the reports out there, it says reduce friction, only ask for the necessary information. It's it, This is what we've told ourselves. We've told ourselves that getting an opt-in rate of around 10% is spectacular. We've told ourselves that a conversion rate of 2% or higher on a store is doing great. We've told ourselves that open rates on an email like 22% and higher is doing okay and click-throughs of more than 4% and you're a god. We have convinced ourselves to accept and trained ourselves to accept certain things as being fact when they're, they're not necessarily fact. They're just what we're willing to accept in order to show that we're hitting our KPIs and growing and saving our jobs. That, almost that last bit. Well, in fact, those last two bits you mentioned, I think are really key. Hitting KPIs and saving your job. And I think that's something I've seen quite a lot as well. People doing what they need to do to meet the requirements that have been set from above, regardless of whether they believe those requirements are what's best for the business. Yeah, KPIs um, are detached from what actually matters. And that happened a long time ago because we needed something to track in order to show progress. And we didn't care about how or why that was meaningful. We just continue going down the cycle of people said we should track this and measure it because other people measure this, so then we should measure it. Yeah. Um, as you remember, one of the comp last companies I worked at, um, I, I do remember actually, you know, we kept being asked how many people we had converted, um, through the, the, the kind of lead based conversion campaigns, uh, for, for a B2C brand. And obviously, yeah, that, that does depend on quite a few factors, uh, you know, where this traffic's come from in the first place, um, certain actions they've taken before that that may show whether they're likely to convert or not. But also it, it, it's really easy to influence that number and boost it higher with higher discounts and promotions. Sure. Um, which a lot of the time in that industry didn't necessarily lead to uh, high value, high value uh, customers. Generally when you, it's, well, I think it's quite similar in a lot of industries that as you get to higher discounts and promotions, you're kind of building that attitude of like, oh, why not? Like, I'll just give it a go. It's so low risk to me that I, I'll just, I'll just, I'll do, I'll do the minimum, get the, get that discounted promo benefit out of it, and then I can go. Whereas people who really want it, a lot of the time, uh, they'll be happy with a little promotion, a little discount if it's there, and they'll get on with it, and and they won't complain. I'm putting it a bit basically, but. That's kind of the experience I saw with that business. Um, it depends on what your goals are. Honestly, it really depends on what your goals are. I've worked for brands that were into massive discounting at all, like revenue juicing and stuff like that. And I've seen all the dirty tricks and behaviors. And like, you know, when you've been around, you've, you've seen everything that people have tried to do and you understand that their short-term growth versus long-term growth and their short-term goals versus long-term goals. And most of the time, sometimes you don't have a choice. You have to hit your short-term goals. So you need to step out of what is the right play and do what needs to happen. Um, I don't think discounting is bad. I think discounting done incorrectly is bad. I, I think that brands should de-risk the first purchase or first few purchases from someone. Um, I, I think that we're so focused on a company journey instead of a customer journey that brands want to do the bare minimum to basically milk customers for as much money as they possibly can uh, and get them to convert. And everything's always been about conversion. 
but the customer journey isn't a linear journey. It goes all over the place. And in most, all sales come down to timing. Like really it's want and timing. Do I want something? And is the timing right for me to make that purchase? That's it. If it's a need-based purchase, you can't really compete. If someone needs something, they're going to go for the best option that they, that they know is like common. That's, they're just going to fill that. Like you really want someone to want something and it be the right timing. And that's how e-commerce and sales works. Coming back to the, the forms and collecting that extra data then, mm-hmm. would you say that uh, if you're using that data correctly, you're then able to, well, probably not put a message in front of someone at the right time, but... Sure you can. Well, it depends <laughs> what data you collect, I suppose. No, sure you can. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it doesn't matter what data you're collecting. It, it matters what questions you're asking so that you have an understanding of a time frame of what a normal uh, customer journey and cycle looks like. I mean, people that know what they're doing can pretty much map out for you what the customer journey looks like down to the day. And they will know what to send, when to send, what to include, how to phrase it, what goes into a welcome series for an email, what needs to be there, what doesn't need to be there, um, how to put the right social proof in front of people based on their answers. Like you can do a lot of stuff with data. It's not guessing anymore. There literally is no guessing anymore. You ask the right questions, you are mapping out a journey and you know with a high... Uh, confidence interval, whether or not someone's going to convert in the time frame that they've outlined or that you know they're likely to fit into. Yeah. No, okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. If you're asking the right questions, like you said uh, at the start as well, I think. So just uh, going back to this forums again, uh, when you're asking for multiple pieces of data, are you seeing any kind of limits on what you can ask? Or if it's, if you think it's, if you're, I mean, it obvious that it's relevant to the customer. So here's the biggest problem that people do when people do forms right now. And I'm going to, I'll bring this up again when people are asking for phone numbers, because that seems to be really popular or they do a two-step, they ask for an email, then a phone number that is take, 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 take. Yep. You're just asking for personal information and people tend to freeze up when they see the phone number part of that. And now you've already put someone in a bad position because they've wanted to, in a, when people, you, people don't understand why people sign up for newsletters in the first place. Like everyone assumes, oh, they're signing up to use the discount. That's not always the case. Uh, I, I usually only sign up to things when I care about the brand and I kind of like what they're doing and, and that the discount's nice and I'll sign up for it if I've already committed to making a purchase and I want to get a discount on it. So I'm either signing up just to get that discount to use it on a purchase I've already committed and made or I like the brand and I'm not really afraid to buy anything right then and there. And I think people have this like weird assumption by looking at some of the data where they're like, oh, people sign up and then they usually purchase within a day. Like that's how quickly the conversion is. It's like, no, they've already decided that they want to purchase your product and now they just want the discount. That's a different type of uh, customer journey. When it comes to like using data, as long as you're asking questions relevant to the experience that that person's going through with that shopping, people are pretty keen on telling you what's up, but that's a privilege. You can't abuse it. On the other hand, if someone's giving you their information and you're just going to sell them, send them emails of bundles, bigger discounts, and all this other crap that we hear people recommending, you've just killed the relationship. It's the same thing as if you you got someone's 
awesome uh, number and, and, and things. And you just talked about yourself the entire time on that same date, just use the date analogy. If I showed up, I knew all these things about someone. And then I just talked about myself the whole time. Like you're like, you'd kick me out. Like that'd be the end of that. And it, we don't really understand why brands continue to do this. It doesn't make any sense, but best well, practices, best practices, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I guess it's, it's not even necessarily the case of just talking about yourself. It's the case you're just talking about anything. You're not, you're not talking about the specific piece of information that you know this person is interested in. You're just picking any conversation, regardless of whether you think this person could be interested. Well, yep, actually, you've got, that, yeah, you've got that opportunity to say, I know you like sports, for example. I love, so, I love all the people that have told me that they segment their welcome series. And they're like, yeah, we segment it like four different ways. I was like, okay, how? By the ad that they clicked on? By maybe like one or two questions that they answered? Like most of the time, there's only one question that people ask during a sign-up. Like, eh, and it's not even required for a lot of signups. So how are you really, really segmenting that list? And most people aren't and they're guessing. And then uh, the number one thing that I hear a lot of is, oh, then we segment based on how engaged people are. That's great. It still costs you the same amount to collect that email. Whether or not they open it, it still costs you money to collect that email. Mm. So you got to start figuring out how much of this is like the cost of doing business and ignoring all these people and getting absolutely no information out of them versus being able to speak directly to them and hopefully breed some degree of interaction with them as a result of personalizing and customizing that journey from the first email. Yeah. So trying to, trying to get as close as you can to kind of one-to-one -one communication with them, making it seem as though, you know, well, not just making it seem as though you, you have kind of listened to them. You've taken in what they've said to you and you, and you're communicating based on that. People just want to be heard. That's it. They don't want to be. They don't want to be yelled at. They want to be heard. They want. They want to be talked to, related to what they sign up for. If you look at the top reasons why people unsubscribe to emails, it's too many emails, the wrong content. Like it's all the same reasons that people have been saying for years, and all of those are pretty much solvable if you just ask a couple of questions and build a journey around that person. Yeah. I, I do wonder if uh, too many emails is actually that big an issue or whether it's too many emails that are irrelevant content. I think it's both. I mean, you have some people that uh, advocate for sending out three campaigns uh, a week. You have some people that send out emails every day. You have brands that send out multiple emails a day. You have people that set out automations where if someone doesn't open an email, then they send another version of that same email with a different subject line on the same day. I mean, you have a lot of really, really bad behaviors. And if you think back to the early days of AOL and you got mail, people used to be really excited about getting email. Now we get up, we look at our phone, we swipe left on all of the stuff that we don't care about, and then we call it a day. I, yeah, I don't know about the timing thing. Um, I think if it was good content and there's a reason for them to email me, I'd be happy to receive an email a day. But if I open that email and I go, You'd be in the why minority. This, You'd be the inbox that has like 10,000 unopened emails in it if people were sending you an email a day. And you know those people that have those inboxes. And that's like, people never think about that. Oh, my email is so special. People are going to see it and people are going to open it. That's not the way this works. But not many brands actually do that. Um, I the, what, what annoys me the most, annoys me is I have one brand in particular um, 
that is, I think, I think they're quite well known in the UK for this. They email very frequently and it's just heavy discounts and it's generic content. And for me, right, the discount thing as a consumer, maybe I, I'm not bothered by, but yeah, it's the fact that um, I'm pretty sure I have purchased from them before and they haven't taken that into account. Um, they've never asked me a question to find out what I want to hear about. Um, but it's, it's literally daily. I think over Black Friday, uh, that, that kind of Black Friday period, I might have been two emails a day at one point. That's that's the sort of frequency and, and bad content that I don't like. But I've had other brands where, okay, maybe admittedly I've signed up for a specific like series, mm-hmm. but I've had an email a day for seven days or 12 days and it's and it's been a clear like day one of t- day one of twelve day two of twelve, and each email has been really good. B to C or B to B? That was B to C. So but it it I, is I, that I can show you st- I can show you stats like the, we've we've run different tests on different things for welcome series and spaced them out different ways. When you leave people alone during a welcome series for a portion of time, and then before you send like that last welcome series email, it gets a higher open rate, higher click through rate, and makes more revenue. People do go through fatigue of going through a series of emails, whatever that is in a frequency thing. Like I can tell you from data that people are emailing too much and they think it's the right thing to do. And it's absolutely the wrong thing to do most of the time. Yeah, I mean, in this case, it wasn't a it wasn't a welcome series. It was a uh, I don't think I'm a customer actually, but I I use their app a lot, um, and it was just a series that they said, "Do you want to opt in for this?" Um, and that worked quite well. But also, the emails were very short, to the point. It was like one quick tip a day on on how to improve sleep. Actually, that was the thing. So. I think, yeah, all right, maybe towards the end, I wasn't opening and engaging with the emails so much, but um, definitely for the first, however many it was, um, I thought they were really good. I think that there's some very smart people out there that are trying to get past the point of, uh, of filling in some of the gaps. And uh, I think that it's something that you're going to see a lot of, especially in the agency market, where people are going to have to stand out in different ways. Um, and I think that all the stuff that we're talking about is it's a split. There's the old way of doing things and there's going to be the new way of doing things. And the new way of doing things is going to be uh, more customer centric. It's going to be less company centric. And most brands right now would really benefit from taking a read of their website and thinking of all the actions that they have and say, does this, am I doing this to benefit myself or am I doing this to benefit the customer? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's the that's the important question, especially with with emails as well. Um, you know, what, what's in it for the customer in this email, or am I literally just are we literally just emailing them some products that we want to sell to them? And I think that that ties into that data piece as well. You know, if you've, I guess, if you can ask yourself the question like, if we were to pick out one email from our database, would we be able to craft an email for that person? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it, it goes beyond that, though, because there's a lot of people that say, oh, I got them in my database. I know what they're looking at. I know what they're interested in, all this other stuff. And I don't actually buy that. Um, I, I think that unless you get something directly from a person, you're guessing. And guessing is cool, but I don't like guessing. I prefer understanding and, and being able to hit on major markers of psychological pressure in order to push people down a track so that I know exactly where they are. And 
there's a couple different types of marketers out there. There's the marketers that love sitting in a room and coming up with personas, writing stuff on a whiteboard and saying, yes, this is our perfect customer. And this is why, because we decided it. And then there's the other marketers that actually pick up the phone and call current existing customers, people that have questions and talk to them and figure out exactly why they bought stuff for real and who they are and what problems you're solving for them. And then look for trends and uh, across that and then go ahead and use that in the marketing. We have too many lazy marketers out there. They, they don't pick up the phone. They don't do customer support tickets. They don't ask questions. They just assume and go with it. Yeah, yeah, I do think customer support's um, a really important piece uh, for anyone in a company, really. Um, I think it'd be important for most people to, to sit in on it for a bit. But yeah, marketers definitely, because uh, we're the ones who are you know, in trying to engage with those customers and, and speak uh, normally to them, but I guess ideally with them. I used um, to hold office hours on Fridays. That's when I'd book all my calls with customers. Even when I was running marketing, I talked to customers all day on Friday afternoons. As in uh, what, B2C? Uh, yeah, when I was running marketing for a brand. That's, I, I used to be the point of escalation for uh, customer support. So I'd just schedule all my calls on Fridays to talk to existing customers and find out what they were going through, what made them purchase in the first place, and, and kind of build personas around who our actual customers were. Okay. So I think... Uh... Link back to what we were saying earlier about short-term goals, KPIs, saving a job. Uh, I reckon a lot of people don't do it because they don't have time. Um, I, people they, say they don't have time. Let's be honest here. There's three things that happen in across all industries, and it's process, resource allocation, and accountability. And you need to build better processes so that you can better allocate your resources so that you can be accountable for not only driving the bottom line, but having a better understanding of why it's being driven. And most of the work that I do consulting and advising clients is me asking, what's your goal over and over and over to better understand and break down what individual goals are for people and then mapping out systems and processes for allowing them to get there with that. 99% of the time, it's a process issue. It, a process issue clears up resource allocation, clears up accountability. And when you clear up those things, you're able to work across different, uh, different sectors of, the, of a, a company and, and drive results. Yeah, I think there is, there's probably a bit of an education piece missing, though, at the moment. Um, I think from what, from what I've been seeing, especially in one of the last companies I was at, the, some of the marketers, it felt like they weren't really marketers. They were um, platform experts. Um, like they knew how to use Google AdWords. They knew how to use Facebook, but they weren't, they weren't marketers. They didn't. Marketing is a fake degree. Marketing is an absolute fake degree. Marketing is psychology, uh, psychology, philosophy, statistics, logic. It's it's all of those things. Marketing as a degree itself, unless it's like based on the majority of those things. I mean, we like buyer psychology, right? Oh, they like this because, you know, colors make people hungry and red makes people hungry and all this other stuff, you know, like it, uh, there was a, something on LinkedIn earlier, like marketing is really understanding people. Marketing isn't understanding people. Marketing is knowing how to ask the right questions. That's marketing. 
Marketing is knowing how to ask the right questions and understand what the answers mean when they come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single Super Bowl question has a hidden question in it that they're asking the audience. That's the goal. Yeah. How or why that. would you how or why would you consider my product? That's it. <laughs> that is marketing broken down in a simple sentence. How or why would you consider my product? Yeah. So I think uh, the point I was trying to make was, yeah, a, a lot of these marketers I've worked with don't know that piece. They don't know how to do that piece. And they're not, they're not working towards that. They're literally just, we're going to tweak some words in this advert. And if we get a better click-through rate, great. But they don't know why that has achieved that better click-through rate and therefore what to do with that information. And that means because they're not really focused on that why, and, and trying to improve that from a from a, like a customer point of view, uh, it doesn't occur to them to go over to customer service and speak to people. So the industry doesn't teach them to. There is nothing in the industry yeah. that's teaching people to do that. The industry is propped up on doing a lot of money spend and saying that the more money you spend, the more data you'll get, the more relevant data you get, and you know eventually you'll succeed. Mm-hmm. The whole industry is like the marketing and advertising industry is literally trillions of dollars. It's it's a huge huge conglomerate of forcing an opinion that you need to advertise because it will do certain things and that all these little tricks and tips are things that people should chase because it just puts more money into Facebook, Google, Amazon, and the rest the rest of the coffers of people that have been making a lot of money off this stuff for a long time. Can you tell me concrete? I wrote this in a post the other day. Um, I used to love this, seeing like retailers big retailers charge, you know, $50,000, $100,000 to run like a series of ads over a weekend in print to bring people into the store and like email their customers and everything else. And things would just get signed off on. And there is absolutely zero way to quantify the benefit of that other than through a quote unquote sale or conversion during that time period, which is a great metric, but we don't know why people buy. We didn't know why people bought, bought on that specific day. Was there always a discount included? Absolutely. Was the discount shared between the retailer and the brand every single time? Like when you start doing the math on some of this stuff, we do it because we're forced to, because we've been told we have to. We're, we're not doing this because it makes logical sense all the time and that it's measurable and that there's quality behind that quantity. We can't measure that. Yeah. First time I got involved with a, uh, a tube advert campaign for a company, um, we were talking about how you measure it. And one of the responses were literally, we're just looking for an uptick in traffic Yep. Uh, on the days that the ads are running or for the period that the ads are running, which, I mean, yes, but, does, but ho- is- ho- hopefully kind of does indicate that that's had an impact. But yeah, you don't know. But You're here's real- the deal. We're going to go back to this. This is your quantity versus quality argument. Yeah. Is that quality? Were those quality leads? Were those quality? Was that quality traffic? You have no idea. When a movie goes viral or a video goes viral on TikTok or whatever, drives a bunch of uh, traffic, are, are those paying customers? I mean, I heard an example that was really funny the other day where it was a bathing suit maker and it's a whole bunch of scantily clad women and they can't tell whether that traffic came from 13 year old boys that were browsing TikTok or people that were looking to purchase their product. We have an attribution problem when we look at quantitative without the qualitative. It's the same reason that we go back to why people just getting emails as a signup are completely batshit crazy. Like it doesn't tell me anything other than that they decided to sign up. It doesn't tell me what they're interested in. It doesn't tell me when they're interested in it. 
it's a, it's a nothing statistic, but it's something that we've been trained to accept as being worth something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, combined with what you said before around friction, reducing friction. So if you only need the email address, only need, only ask the email address instead of what's the data we actually need and what we can use, which is yeah, what you're working on. I, I'd never ask for, I mean, the one that I see commonly is you'll ask for a first name and they'll ask for an email address. You don't need a first name. Focus on getting an email address, focus on other data points that matter, then lead them to making a conversion and, and selling, and then they're going to give you their first name. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, uh, I know loads of people like to put first name in emails, but that's played out. That got played out a long time ago. When everyone yeah. started doing it, it gets played out. And this is the problem. And this is a reoccurring theme of even you know, this talk is you keep giving me stuff that you're teeing it up for me, which is great. You're telling me everything that people do or have done or have suggested to do. And I'm telling you, 99% of it is complete bullshit at this point. It's just regurgitated from one marketer to another article after article after article. And it's the best we got. And when everyone starts repeating themselves, we're missing the bigger picture. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I've been saying for a while, like first name in an email is like, no one cares. It doesn't really, you addressing me as well in an email doesn't make me, doesn't change my opinion on anything. Um, if you got my name wrong, that might cause a negative experience, but not having my name there, I'm just not even going to notice um, like 99% of the time, unless unless the le- the email reads like a letter, in which case I might expect to be addressed. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that has actually led, in- instead of to what you're saying, which is you just don't need first name, ignore it because you'll capture it later with the purchase. Every now and again, you see a campaign go out, which is like high first name. And then they'll go, oh, just joking. Like everyone does that or something you know they'll they'll kind of make a point that 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 doesn't really work but they do it in a way which not again no one cares about really like that doesn't add anything to the customer in that email there's very little creativity going on in the marketing game right now there's very little it's a lot of copycat and i've been saying this for months years it's it's almost transparently bad in the amount of lack of creativity that exists um one of the ad sets that we worked on actually i was just talking to someone that's taking over the ad account and he goes holy shit your creative is actually really good and i was like absolutely it is it's because we did the exact opposite of what everyone else is doing and we understand customer journey and i think that anyone listening to this the easiest thing to do in in marketing is to look at what everyone else is doing and then do the exact opposite that's it's literally that easy if you see something that all looks the same do something different if you hear everyone using the same words and the same same email subject lines, do something different. Yeah. Uh, like there, is, there are no rules in, in marketing. Just don't be fraudulent. Don't say something like there's only nine left or anything like that. That probably isn't true. That's fraud. But like, legit, just don't follow the rules. Write something completely crazy. It doesn't matter. No one cares. I, we sent out an email that said, open this email or the reindeer gets it for like a holiday campaign and it did really well and it, we sent that out to people that you know were disengaged with the brand but it's still got a good open rate just because we were creative it's just a bit of putting a bit of 
personality into it as well. Um, I think that that can be like brand personality can be missing a lot, but I guess that's that's a whole separate conversation. But so many brands um, they want to they don't want to offend anyone. Um, I, I suppose it comes down against this quality for piece instead of quantity. They they capture the email address for everyone, which means and the, and only the email address, which means they have to cater their emails for everyone, which means right. trying to avoid offending everyone. Whereas if you go down that route of capturing that data and knowing those customers, you should know whether that email is going to offend someone. So there's only two points of intention when someone gets to a website, when they have to actually do something. They have to actually put in their email address. That's typing something in, right? When they're subscribing to a newsletter or whatever for a discount. And then the only other time is when they're checking out. Um, Legit, everyone forgets that that Second point of intention, you're not going to get to with the majority of your customers. They're just not going to make it to checkout. So if you can find some compelling way of creating an experience where you get them to type in their email, you have their attention. That is like the ultimate time to collect more information about people and then lead them down a journey, but be helpful at the same time. That's it. Those are the only two times of intent. And we forget that. We take that for granted. Yeah, I think um, despite the fact that abandoned cart rate is what seventy five percent, it's not like though. It's it's literally that's a made up number too. It, that has to do with so many different factors of having a bad customer journey, etc. Uh, one of the one of the people we're working on, we're looking at their abandoned cart rate. If they get make it to checkout, they have an eighty percent chance of finishing, and their abandoned cart rate for us is I think it's only like 40 percent. I'm telling you, like all of these stats that everyone likes harping on are complete bullshit. They have to do with not understanding a customer journey, not building a product that tells a story and not understanding what a customer journey flow looks like in order to move from point A to point B. That's it. Like, I I love it. I love all these agencies that love throwing around numbers like a bank car rates, 80% on mobile, 75% on whatever. That means you have the wrong quality traffic that you're driving. Drive better quality traffic, more checkouts will happen. It's that easy. Know your quality of your people and you will, you can change your conversion rate. You can change your, your, uh, your income rate. You can change your abandoned cart rate. Just drive quality traffic. And if you don't know quality traffic is, don't drive for conversions as much as you are driving for signups with data so that you understand that someone's quality and they mix with the type of quality people that you're looking for. This isn't a guessing game anymore. This is like a completely map outable data led game yeah i mean i suppose if, yeah if you're driving loads of bad traffic and and just measuring it on everything you you might see a high abandoned cart rates you're going to you, see lower conversion rates higher abandoned cart rates um, higher everything lower email open rates you're going to see all these things like it doesn't the, the the all the numbers we love quoting happens because there's a gap in the customer journey that is solvable that's the whole reason why we built FormToro in our in our software is we looked at this and we said, this is stupid. Like there's got to be a better way to do this that actually informs our decision making without having to guess. And it turns out when you actually put this into practice, you stop guessing, you get higher quality people, you're able to figure out where they come from, you're able to prospect more, and your your overall income goes up and your abandoned cart goes low and your conversion spikes. Big shocker. Using data yeah. actually like drives real results and you're not guessing. So do you think we'll see a big uh, change in the way businesses approach this anytime soon? 
I would be absolutely survive, uh, surprised if in the next like two to three years, we don't see everyone moving towards something like this. 100% guaranteed. Uh, you have a couple things happening. iOS 14.5 and people opting out, you, you can't get the same amount of data that you were getting from before. Um, you have cookies going away too. That's going to hurt a lot of people that were doing tracking across different uh, websites and stuff like that. It wouldn't make sense today, like after working for working with so many companies on doing customer acquisition and growth and go to market and stuff like that. I will not work with another client if they're not using uh, something that's data driven like this. It just doesn't make sense. Um, it's fun to guess. It was a lot of fun to guess, but it was really more infuriating than anything else. And I like not guessing. Yeah. And I like building customer journeys relevant to why people are signing up or what people are interested in. And I'm not saying that everyone signs up. That's the thing. Like we still have the greater portion of conversions that we're seeing happen from people that haven't signed up, even with an incredible deal. But for us, it's worth more to us if we can get someone to sign up and provide us data because there's the whole back half. When you only have 2% of people that are converting, our goal isn't necessarily to get people to convert. Our goal is to get data and a signup because the data and signup equals we can tweak the customer journey in order to lead to higher levels of conversion. That's almost our guarantee. We know we can put someone on a path. And if we don't get to that point, then that's our bad. We messed that one up. We cannot control though. Someone that just comes in, doesn't sign up, doesn't provide data. We're just at the whim of wherever that person came from. Yeah. I'm assuming you use these forms in, in kind of different areas as well. So those people who do come in and just go straight into a store, grab what they want, pay for it. Do you then try and, you know, they've ignored the pop-up originally. Are you, are you then trying to like nudge them again and say like, somehow like we need this data, <laughs> not we, we need this data, but we'd like you to. Yeah, we could, we could go back and try to collect it. Uh, but if someone's already purchased, for the most part, what people don't understand is like only 25% of people come back and reshop at a store. So, I mean, everyone's talking about retention. Retention is a function of the product being good, the experience being good, and staying top of mind when someone's ready. Once again, that wants to buy and the timing's right. Um, retention and, and mapping retention, it's kind of difficult to do. And, and I love that everyone's trying to really get into, you know, RFM and all this other stuff and, and talk about bringing customers back, et cetera. It, it's, there's very little you can control as a brand related to that. Um, and a lot of brands aren't set up to do that. Single use discount codes, throwing out offers, all this biases that customer journey. We don't talk about this stuff enough, but like, I don't care about retention as much as I care about instantaneous retention and setting up a customer journey that's built around retention from the first touch. We use multi-use discount coupon codes and we or when we work with people, we say, well, you should do this. And here's why the data proves out that this is going to be better for you long-term. And if you have something, you can get rid of all the sales on your site, all your special offers. You don't have to have any generic coupon codes. You can just let people come back when they're ready to buy and it removes bias. By doing that, you get a data map that tells you when people are likely to purchase again. If they don't, then your timing's off. Most of the time, it's just timing. Like, are you seeing people actually retaining these codes then and actually coming back and using them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone hypes AOV, but AOV doesn't matter on the first purchase. AOV, and if you're a new brand, you're just looking to get someone in the door and have them experience your product. We have people that purchase using a, a coupon, they get the product, and then less than two days after receiving the product, they're making a large order. 
because they like the product because they're able to test and now they can still use that same discount. That's buying journey. That's how buying journeys work. I don't know why we don't do it this way. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, just before we finish then, uh, I'm not going to ask you about pet peeves because I imagine there's quite a lot in marketing, <laughs> but um, is there anything I mean, you've else? You've heard a lot of them. You've and heard I've, a lot of them. <laughs> we've heard quite a bit. Uh, is there anything else you're curious about right now? Anything else you're looking into that's not maybe directly related to, to what you're doing? I'm very curious about what the future of e-commerce looks like. I do think that with a lot of the recent changes, uh, uh, I'm curious about kind of the behaviors of where we're headed from here. Uh, I'm curious about a lot of the advice that's been handed out as being gospel and actually isn't good uh, that people are following. Uh, I talked to a lot of store owners that are absolutely having bad experiences and it's because everyone's guessing. And there's a, been a spike of digital agencies that existed and consultants in the digital space. And a lot of them aren't, a lot of them really aren't good. And I think that what has become passable as being an expert in a field needs to be looked at a little bit more carefully. Um, and that, that's, that's really like what keeps me up at night right now is understanding that you only need a couple of basic tools in order to have a lot of success in e-com. And you just need a couple key players that know how to play nice together and understand that they're they're playing as a team rather than individual silos. And we've proved it. You can you can make success happen pretty quickly as long as you have a couple key key markers. And I think it's interesting that everyone keeps hyping up stuff that they do, and then brands and most of the e-commerce advice comes from products. Uh, that are aimed at solving a, a problem and that they've decided is the, is the problem. And I, like, I honestly don't care if you use our product or you use someone else's product. I'd prefer you used ours, but find some way to understand data and find some way to get inside customers' heads and start building for a customer journey instead of a company journey. Like that's, that's, that's a fundamental that has to happen. And I'm curious when we're going to start making that shift. Yeah. If, if people want to chat with you about that further, what's, what's the best way of getting in touch? Uh, formtoro.com, just like it sounds, F-O-R-M-T-O-R-O.com. Um, feel free to check it out. That's what we're currently working on. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Find me on LinkedIn, uh, just John Ivanko. I'll pop up. There's not too many Ivankos on there, I-V-A-N-C-O. And uh, yeah, feel free to drop me a, a note or an email too at john at boonroad.com j-o-n at b-o-o-n-r-d.com awesome thanks so much john thanks will appreciate it so with the new ios updates causing problems for both advertisers and soon email marketers it's even more important that you're collecting data from your leads and customers and using that data to full effect use it for your advertising campaigns to bring in more of the right customer use it in your email and sms campaigns to put relevant and contextual information in front of your customers Businesses who aren't doing this are going to seriously fall behind with both acquisition and retention. So if you want to find out more, reach out to Jonathan on LinkedIn or head over to formtoro.com. Next up, I've got George Reed with me. We're going to be talking about how to make money from Amazon. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.